So, I guess that's it, Tom shrugged. We can't get one. Uh, you guess wrong, I said, glowering. I took a break for reconnaissance and spotted a little soccer boy headed toward the men's room, so I jumped out the door and leaned against the building, trying not to look suspicious. When the coast was clear, I slipped back inside. Now get back up on that garbage can and get me a bird, I bossed like a wife in a bad sitcom. Tom sighed and dutifully climbed back up on the can as I held it steady with all my strength. I kept picturing the can skidding out from under him and Tom dangling from the smelly bathroom ceiling, broken-armed and clutching a starling chick. We had repositioned the can so the lower roof ledge was smooshed right into Tom's armpit. Hold out your hands, he told me, and into them he dropped the tiniest, ugliest, most unpromising little creature the earth has ever brought forth. I'd raised dozens of chicks of many different species, from hummingbirds to red-tailed hawks, and of course, the several starlings. But until now, I'd never seen a baby bird that was actually wheezing. Like all songbird nestlings, this chick was mostly beak, with a big, fleshy orange gape designed to serve as a target for adult birds. Drop food here. When a chick is stimulated by movement and sound, the gaping response is induced. Wanting to make sure this bird possessed some tiny semblance of health, I tickled the bill and chirped like a starling. The little bundle threw back its head, and the bill popped open 180 degrees. Perfect. This chick was only five or six days old and would require constant care, a steady temperature of 85 degrees until its feathers grew, and feedings every 20 minutes, dawn to dark. I had hoped to rescue a bird that was a few days older, one that was still young enough to tame, but already raised into a bit more size and strength by its real bird parents. I wished I could put this one back to cook a little longer. But the nest was doomed, and with the arousal of my maternal instincts inspired by the gaping experiment, I was already starting to bond with this sad little chick. I couldn't bring myself to return it to the nest to be swept away with its ill-fated siblings. I knew I should get another chick to help keep this one the proper temperature, and to increase my chances of ending up with one living, healthy starling for my research. Baby birds, captive or wild, are unsettlingly ephemeral, subject to respiratory infections, and weakened by ectoparasites of the sort I already saw crawling on this chick's bare skin. At this new request, Tom said, firmly, no fucking way. He couldn't and wouldn't attempt to nab any more chicks. I opened my mouth, then wisely closed it again. So that was it. This was our starling. I could feel the naked, translucent-skinned belly hot in my palm as the bird slept with its head drooped on my thumb. I tucked the chick carefully into my handy baby bird incubator, my cleavage, and the three of us went home. It was at this point that I morphed from Lyanda the innocent citizen removing a non-native bird from a public space to Lyanda the starling outlaw. As it turns out, you may torture, maim, or murder a starling, but in Washington state, as in many states, you may not lovingly raise a starling as a pet. One of the ostensible reasons given by wildlife officials I spoke with was the prevention of propagation. There are already too many starlings, and people raising them as pets might eventually release the captive birds, making things worse. 
Something like this happened in the case of the house finch, a native bird with a geographic range that was once limited to the west side of the Rockies. The males have bright red breasts, sing all year, and are easy to keep, which made them marketable pets. In the 1940s, finches were illegally netted along the west coast and transported east, where they were considered exotic and became popular. When there was an official crackdown on the wild bird pet trade, hundreds, perhaps thousands of finches, were released in New York by dealers seeking to avoid charges. The birds quickly acclimatized and eventually spread across the east side of the continent. In the case of the starling, though, that rationale doesn't hold up. For one thing, the species has already overrun the country. It would take a huge number of released or escaped starlings to affect a noticeable increase in their population. On the contrary, it is far more likely...